Welcome to PSQH, the podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talk to Crystal Glover, Education Consultant and Professional Development Practitioner at Charlie Norwood VA Medical Center, about how nurses are reacting to the Redonda Vaught verdict and what it will mean for nursing in the future. This episode is presented by Capella University as part of National Nurses Week. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Crystal Glover, uh, Education Consultant and Professional Development Practitioner with the Charlie Norwood VA Medical Center. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you. Uh, and we're going to talk today about the Redonda Vaught uh, guilty verdict that happened uh, about a month ago and sort of what this is going to mean or what it does mean uh, for nurses right now. But I wanted to start off by just having you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, thanks, Jay, for the introduction. Um, Jay said, I'm Crystal Glover. I've been a registered nurse for 27 years. I have a bachelor's degree in nursing. I have a master's in healthcare management. Currently, I am a PhD candidate in the field of community public health. My nursing experience includes med surge, oncology, dialysis, home health, spinal cord injury, professional development and administration. I am trained in legal nurse consultation, sexual assault, rehabilitation, program management, and Six Sigma. I also have experience in ethical consultation, root cause analysis, internal review board, administrative investigation board, and legal testimony. And lastly, I'm a published contributing author, webinar facilitator, and designated learning author. Excellent. Well, we're going to talk about the Redonda Vought case. And, and just for anybody who uh, hasn't heard, uh, you know, Redonda Vought was a nurse uh, at, uh, what hospital is she at? She was in a hospital in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Vanderbilt uh, University Medical Center. Uh, and on March 25th, she was convicted of two felonies uh, and is facing eight years in prison for uh, basically a, a fatal medication mistake. Uh, you know, and, and obviously medication errors have happened many times before and they're going to happen again. Um, but what were your initial thoughts when you heard about this guilty verdict? Well, Jay, my initial thoughts were mostly formed in a way of questions. Um, I first wanted to know, was a shift of blame happening or had a shift of blame occurred? Because it seems that perhaps there was more than just this particular one nurse um, the, the result of the medication error. Mm -hmm. Then I asked myself, uh, were the principles of just culture seemingly withheld which is aimed at promoting transparency and accountability in an effort to improve the systematic gaps in process, as well as taking the blame of fault finding off of individuals. So after all, it's supported by the fact that the Institute of Medicine acknowledges that the error is human and highlighted the understanding that the majority of medical errors are not just the result of individual recklessness, or from systematic gaps and fragmented process. Then I wanted to know, were there no standardized processes in place 
to administer medications within the Vanderbilt system? Or were there standardized processes that were obviously fragmented in the particular department this young lady worked at? I also asked myself, what type of internal fact-finding was done to help identify any additional area or compromise to the system or the system process, such as her ability to override the medication? For what I understand, she was able to override the medication and kind of go past certain alerts that was, could have prevented this medication error from happening. And I know oftentimes in the medical field, they have what we call the stop the line or just in time pause, where another colleague could have actually interjected. And from what I understand, she was not in this space alone. Apparently she was orienting someone. Um, and then did her area particularly have a standardized process of barcode scanning, which seems to be implemented in areas on the inpatient side where medications are often given. Um, I guess then I also wanted to know, are nurses the only discipline that healthcare, within the healthcare profession that are held to this type of pinnacle level of clinical reprimand, knowing medication errors happen more than among nurses? And does it not seem like there was not a willful intent or evil design? She didn't appear to have that because she did report the error herself. She also didn't seem to have intentional disregard. Um, so that is caused for legal ramifications at this magnitude, especially knowing that she did admit her wrong. Yeah, and do you feel this is gonna set a, a dangerous precedent, you know, for, for medical errors that lead to criminal charges, you know, with, with this case now in the books? Um, that's, a, that's a real good potential because medication errors are inevitably due to, not due to human error. So no one is going to be 100% all the time. And knowing that there's a difference between human error and behavioral choice. So you have to look at the intent behind the actual error that occurred in order to just assume that, okay, every time someone makes a medication error, then we need to be um, pursuing criminal charges. And I would definitely want to know, you know, does this platform invite and support such um, future similar actions? Because to your point, um, a precedent can potentially happen or be set if we continue down this kind of road or pathway. Um, what have you heard from, you know, from other nurses and from other healthcare professionals about, about this verdict? Oh, Jay, I have heard um, different various opinions, professional, personal, um, but for the most part, the, the, the initial common response that I've heard from my colleagues and other people in the healthcare professional is disbelief. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they are in disbelief to know that such a harsh punishment has been allowed to even be suggested, more or less accepted, given the fact that the medication errors are not uncommon and that more than nurses um, create such error. Also, people have asked, you know, why does it seem like this particular nurse is being made an example of? Mm -hmm. Or are, are nurses the only healthcare professionals that make this example? Some colleagues say, does anyone care? 
um, if they're allowing such actions to be taken, um, some nurses are asking the question, does it even matter about the person? It seems like you're individualizing the person instead of the actual system process. And then some of the newer nurses are even contemplating and expressing such a distaste in the profession because it seems like nurses are now being targeted mm-hmm. or they are, they are expendable, if you would. And so it's making them have a change of heart and wondering, do I want to continue to be a nurse? Right. I mean, you know, who's got your back, you know, if, exactly. if you're, uh, you know, if a mistake happens, um, you know, obviously this has got to have a huge effect on staff morale, which has already, you know, been tough because of the last couple of years as the pandemic and, um, you know, the stress that uh, nurses and others are, are under, uh, you know, in healthcare organizations. What kind of effect is this having on morale, this case? Um, to your point, the pandemic has definitely created some dissension um, among healthcare professionals in, in regards to morale. But I think something like this actually has the potential to draw nurses closer together, formulating a stronger alliance and feeling like all they have is one another. Um, also, there's a heightened sense of empathy for nurses, um, given the fact that perhaps you know, morale and increasing morale, supporting each other, protecting one another, and basically covering one another is the only way that they will survive in the system that will continue to pursue such action. Um, And, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, just culture and sort of, you know, systems that were already in place that are, you know, designed to you know, prevent errors and also, you know, not scapegoat a particular individual. Um, you know, how do you, uh, you know, how do you feel healthcare organizations should be handling incidents like this? Um, well, and I've been on many, like I said, investigative review boards or process improvement, um, um, particular incidents and cases. And so I think a key thing is to have some type of assurance that internal quality improvement processes and teams exist. That way, and making sure that those teams consist of a diverse um, population or capture of the people that work in the organization to actually be able to enhance the expertise and insight in order to identify, um, you know, what kind of gap or compromise may have occurred. And then you want to look at all the factors that led up to the error not just one component or one person. So organizations in their effort to promote just culture and become high reliable organizations, they want to make sure they look at ways to um, streamline the the things that may not um, be effective and close the gap. And they also want to make sure they're doing routine quality improvement audits and system checks to better identify the gaps and deficits um, in a very proactive manner instead of a reactive manner so that patient safety and, and, and patient care is not compromised. And then they want to talk maybe um, about not just talking about just culture, but also finding ways to actually or outwardly recognize transparency and support accountability in an effort to counteract the fear of repercussion. Because in in a just culture environment, you're promoting that transparency. You want people to come forward. However, when you you deal with circumstances of 
some situations that they're talking about, then a greater sense of fear now comes to play. And then you may want to utilize the findings from such quality improvement processes, such as root cause analysis, and even the regulatory survey findings to help develop new strategies and interventions that will help reflect system improvement. Did it surprise you that, you know, nobody is really referencing things like just culture and sort of the internal processes, uh, you know, in this case? It definitely does surprise me because with all the talk of promoting just culture and all the talk of promoting high reliable organizations, those are fundamental key elements that help define those things. Those are things that will build up your organization and promote effectiveness and, and greater patient out, better patient outcomes. So the fact that these things were not mentioned, it makes you wonder, are we just talking about the just culture, um, you know, mindset, or are we actually making a cultural transformation to go to that direction? How much does, um, you know, a lot has been made of, you know, difficulty finding people, uh, you know, to work, uh, you know, in these the last couple of years. I mean, and nurses are, you know, notoriously overworked as it is. Uh, you know, how much do you think that kind of plays into errors like this where, you know, you've probably got somebody who's worked, you know, uh, a crazy number of hours already that week. Um, so the tendency or the, or the likelihood of an error might be increased because of that. Absolutely. And research shows that um, stress um, and stressors to your workplace will definitely cause you not to be as um, efficient in the care that you can provide. provide typically when you're not stressed or you're rested up or if you are with short staffing or critical staffing issues, um, you're now faced with pulling double shifts, you're now faced with being mandated to work over, um, and then to also meet the needs of your regular shift ovulation on top of the, whatever may be happening in your personal life. So the, the fact that you are having to be tasked with much more workload, heavier work hours, definitely compromises your uh, resilience and providing the best patient care that you possibly can. And you, you also mentioned this a, a little earlier when we were talking, but, um, you know, what's the, the effect on future incidents and near misses? I mean, is this, is this going to make uh, nurses and other healthcare professionals be less likely to report something just because of the fear of a potential criminal charge now? Well, it is my um, professional opinion that yes, it will. Um, again, research shows that over 90% of medication errors already are not reported due to fear of punishment or some type of legal reprimand. So this case definitely now compounds that and inflames the fuel, if you would, on an increased compromise of integrity associated with not being honest and transparency for fear of punitive consequences. Before, one may have heard of the possibility of such consequences happening, but now, with this case, it brings to the forefront that it's not just a possibility, it is the reality. So because this reality is now being brought to the forefront of that, people fear and apprehension to come forward, to be honest, um, it, it is going to definitely be compromised. 
and case in point, this young lady, you know, she stands on the fact that she did the right thing by reporting it. Mm-hmm. However, she is now subject to such um, harsh punitive consequences. Um, and workforce retention has already been, you know, we've already kind of talked about the pandemic and the effect that's having on on people in this profession. So, you know, people were already leaving the profession. Is something like this going to, you know, make that even worse where people are going to say, oh, well, you know, if I make a mistake and then I, you know, I could end up in jail, why should I even continue doing this job? Um, I believe that is the case as well. Um, and that has actually been expressed, um, like you asked me before, um, from my colleagues in the healthcare profession. They have actually, you know, communicated that and stated that with the already feeling like before something like this happens, the critical staffing needs, the a higher acuity levels of patient care has already caused them to want to flee, if you would, the profession and go to something that's less tasking. So now with something like this, the workforce retention is even more compounded. Not only do you have such factors as people who, nurses that are retiring, um, and now, of course, with people with COVID hit, People were very much compromised in some of their employment, depending on what type of organization they work for. So now you add this factor to all of that, and it makes it very difficult to believe that the retention will not be affected by such consequences as this. And and what do you tell uh you know somebody who's you know looking to go to nursing school or, or or you know thinking about it and having second thoughts because of something like this? What do you what can you tell somebody like that? Well, as a nurse for twenty seven years, I personally would tell someone that any job can be you know any job comes with some compromise or any job comes with the potential of um reprimand or some type of adverse outcomes based on your actions so i certainly wouldn't promote someone being discouraged from entering the field of nursing but i definitely would highlight the fact that this could happen in any profession it just happens to be nursing at this moment Um, but all professions and all jobs come with some type of you know, adversities, if you would. And it may not necessarily be criminal punishments, but it will be something they, that they certainly would have to deal with. And so I am proud to be a nurse and the, my years of dedication to the profession are unwavering despite certain incidents like this. So I definitely would encourage a new nurse to continue her pursuit, his or her pursuit into the nursing profession and to go in and to make a difference and to do the best job they can and to remember why they chose to go into the profession first and foremost, and not because of the things that they're hearing about certain situations such as they're hearing about later. Uh, and I, I guess the, uh, the sentencing uh, for Redonda Vaught is going to be happening on uh, actually the same week that this is being published, May 13th. There's going to be a march on uh, Washington, D.C. by nurses. Um, what do you hope kind of, I guess, comes out of all this? Are, are you hopeful for the future of nursing? Do you feel like, you know, we can kind of get the word out about just culture and, and kind of, you know, avoid going down this road that we, you know, sort of have started down with this case? Um, absolutely. I think that nurses, for one, 
by doing such things as the march um, during that during that particular day um, will show that there's still an alliance. There's still an alliance of forces. There's still an alliance of nurses who are still committed and will stand up for fighting for what is important within their profession. And to recognize that, you know, you may have, you know, this one particular person may be singled out, but that you are coming or attacking what seems to be um, a vast majority of a lot of people and not just this one nurse, one particular person. Um, so I think from that point, more nurses in such roles as leadership roles and administrative roles now carry the, the uh, obligation, if you to make a difference and to use their level of power to um, kind of implement some better decisions and some processes and to perhaps promote such things as just culture in order to ensure that a higher safety and quality of care is implemented. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on this, uh, this topic. Uh, you know, really, uh, you know, you have, you have such great experience in the field and, uh, and let's hope that uh, the just culture wins out uh, in the end. Absolutely, Jay. And, and again, like I said, I'm not discouraged by it at all. Um, this particular case is just what it is. It's an, um, it's an incident and it's something that we as nursing professionals will not just, you know, mark it down as the end all to be all, if you mm -hmm. We will continue to be passionate. We'll continue to we do diligence in the care that we provide because we, we have uh, committed to an ethical and moral obligation of the care that we give people. And so uh, a situation like this, though it is very disheartening, it does not define what nurses will continue to do. And it is not going to stop us from carrying out the mission and the vision of what we were obligated to do as nurses. So I thank you for the opportunity to talk to you about this particular topic. All right. Thank you so much. That wraps up episode 53 of PSQH, the podcast. I'd like to thank Capella University for sponsoring the episode. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time. You can find more information about the show and listen on-demand episodes at psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again, and stay safe.